everyone. This is Ron Stefanski for another episode of Disrupt Ed, where we talk to the disruptors, the do-gooders and determined, the passionate and purpose-driven who are taking the mystery out of this 5G-wired, globally interconnected, technology-augmented world in, of work and learning in which we all uh, live and try to make sense of it. And also try to uh, limit our anxiety and actually prosper because of uh, the disruption that's taking place in our very midst. Today, I am excited because we have a special guest today. When you think about educational disruption, that's my next guest's middle name. Dr. Chaz Austin has been an educator for over 20 years. He is a TEDx speaker. He has done numerous courses on LinkedIn Learning. He has taught many, many different courses and developed his own in addition to several books. And Dr. Shaz has become an expert in helping people navigate work in this disrupted world of uh, wor work and learning. And he's also helped to disrupt the way education is delivered to people. Dr. Chaz, it is so great to finally have you on the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, thanks, Ron. Great to be here. You know, I think about, um, you know, the world is uh, very large and very small at the same time. And I'm thinking, Dr. Chaz, about how we reconnected that um, LinkedIn became the conduit by which we both came together. And it was because of our past association in the world of ed to go where you were actually delivering courses that I was um, marketing. And... Um, so it's great to have you on the show to talk about disruption. And I want to start by um, asking a little bit about your own educational background and what got you into education. And then ultimately, what, what brought you to a point where you decided education isn't working the way it's supposed to or the way it should. And you stepped up and you stepped in and you leaned in to do what you're doing now. Bachelor's in Sociology, City College of New York. Uh, master's in uh, Broadcast Communication Arts from San Francisco State University. Um, EDD uh, in Organizational Leadership, um, same degree as the First Lady has, from Pepperdine University in Malibu. Um, I also did a great deal of work with a group called Landmark uh, Education or Landmark Worldwide, right. as it's known, which was a a great con it was it was a it was great for shifting the context of my life and how i relate to people how i teach how i set up a classroom um how i work very hard to empower people and to um get them to feel powerful about themselves and about what they can do in the world um and it my my goal is to inspire, and I've done it so often with people that I've I both coach people individually and teach courses. Um, I got into education rather late in life. It's not something I ever thought of doing. Um, a friend of mine at UCLA Extension, I live in LA. UCLA Extension had a course, um, 1998. It was about uh, the. Conjunction between edu between uh, digital technology and Hollywood, digital Hollywood. I taught it and fell in love with teaching and found I was good at it. So that's where it all started. That was sort of the spark for you. Yes, yes. 
Um, and I've, I got into it a little more deeply when I was working in uh, digital media and we had the bubble in 2000 and suddenly there's no work. And a girlfriend I had at the time said, well, you like teaching. Why don't you do some more teaching? And I started teaching on a regular basis. And um, I, I've taught everything from the history of rock and roll to criminology, 60 different courses uh -huh. in my career. But it's mainly focused on communication and business. And I found a gap there between, and I experienced this myself as, as, a, as a student, a gap between what's taught in school and the business world. And the real world, mm -hmm. and how how we people graduate. How would you describe school? that gap? Is it is it an intellectual one where we're not teaching the right material, or is it a is it a paradigm shift that we do? It's a, I think it's the former. Um, it's education lives in the past. We're still training people for the factory workplace of the early twentieth century. Um, it's, we're still teaching people things they don't need, like memorization. Really? Um, we're teaching, we're teaching to the test. Um, so here are the factoids you need to remember, and then you need to spit them back out in the test and you'll forget what you learned on the way out of the test. Right. It's, it won't it's have relevance beyond that particular episode. So much in the math that I was taught in school not relevant. It wasn't taught in a sense of preparing you for the world. Here's how you're going to use this. And so I'm kind of the anti-teacher. I go in the opposite direction. Everything I teach is relevant, useful, um, and something that you can take with you and use not just after school, but for the rest of your life. These are practices. And part of the reason I've been so successful is it's so different from the way education has been traditionally, which is largely a waste of time for people. And the reason people drop out of school. Well, it stops being engaging, right? It stops being interesting and it stops being uh, a contest to remember certain things and how well you do that particular thing, memorizing, as you say, or regurgitating it and bringing it back. So let me ask you this, Dr. Chaz. You know, you've been at it, you've been an educator, you've been a TEDx speaker, you've done these courses, uh, and you cover a wide range of things. But now uh, you're spending a lot of your time in career training and in the gig economy. And for those of us like myself who are boomers, uh, the gig economy is something we don't quite understand. We don't quite understand what it means for us. We don't and as a consequence, I don't think we always understand what the opportunity is like. For many of us who've been on a fairly traditional path, it started with a four-year college degree. We went out and we got jobs. Then we got promoted. We gave our heart and soul to those jobs. And then all of a sudden, we reach a certain point in our 50s where the rules have changed. It's almost like the who moved my cheese. And we're asking these questions. How do I prosper in this day and time. And gig work sounds to many like not real, uh, really well-paid work. I'm going to do something I might like, or I might be good at, but I don't know how to, how I'm going to possibly support myself doing that. Um, so can you enlighten us a little bit more about your perspective on the gig economy and how you're helping people to jumpstart a, a new series of, uh, of gigs? It's a huge change. Uh, the 
the people I have most difficulty working with are baby boomers because they've, as you said, they've done all the right things. They went to school, they got their degree, right. uh, they have a resume, they know how to interview, they know how to dress for an interview, and they've shown loyalty to a company for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and suddenly it's all gone. And they know at that age they're not exactly uh, prime suspects for... Uh, finding new work because they're competing against people who are half their age who work for half the price and who are much better with social media and technology generally right. so they're stuck I, I can't count how many people i've worked with who've said um i've never even written a resume before i've worked for this one company forever i was loyal to them right. and suddenly it's all they sold the company or they moved it to another state or uh, what do i do now what do I do? Um, so they're very much at a loss and very frightened. Uh, they talk about millennials uh, being problematic. The real problems are with the baby boomers because it's tough for them to shift. Um, it's tough for them to pivot. And I've heard a number of them say, I deserve a job. <laughs> right. Well, that's what this loyalty, right? This sort of false loyalty to an entity as opposed to a human being. And in a lot of cases, uh, people resent the people who have helped them lead the building because they feel like there's been a betrayal of that loyalty, and uh, yeah. and so they carry that, right? Yeah, they they assume that they were loyal, so the company is going to be loyal to them. And I I tell people if a company ever says to you, "We're like family here," run away, because <laughs> it ain't so. It's just not. So th they've had a safe harbor their whole career, and suddenly gone. What do I do? There is no safe harbor anymore. So you, it's a shift in consciousness without the use of drugs, as I say. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a new way of behaving. It's a new way of thinking and then a new way of behaving. Well, you so I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt for just a second. But you mentioned, you mentioned a Landmark, and that's based on EST, right? It's a, sort of a, a way yes. to shift yes. your mindset and your consciousness yes. around what's happening to you and what your story means ultimately to your future and how to get your your old story put in its proper place? It's it's based on what was called the EST training, and then that evolved in the mid-'80s to um, Landmark Education, which is now, I now think called Landmark Worldwide. I haven't participated for years, but it stuck with me because it contextualized everything in my life. Right. It was actually... More, it was a lot cheaper and much more valuable than all the three degrees I have because it made me think of life in a different way and realize it's it's really based on Zen more than anything else. Realize there's no inherent meaning to anything. Um, the, everything in life is basically an interpretation. I mean, what we've got here, for example, is we're talking on a Zoom call. Everything else is interpretation. Oh, he, I don't, he's looking at me funny. He thinks I'm dumb. Right. Whatever. I made that up. So once you realize that there's an enormous freedom that you can make it up any way you want. So make it up in an empowering way. Yeah. Um, and it, it gives you great freedom. And it, if anyone's done this kind of work and sits in my classroom, it's straight out of that work. It's empowering and inspiring people um, and letting them see what's possible in their lives that they hadn't seen before, and they're frightened to death. I, all, I've, I've worked with people from ages 14 to 84. It's the same conversation. Everyone's frightened. College students are frightened. Their parents are frightened. 
what do I do? I got this piece of paper and $100,000 of debt. What, what, what am I supposed to do? <clears throat> and I help guide them. So I call myself a career trainer because it's training. It's not just coaching. They have to shift how they think about the world and how they behave. And the, the heart of it is what specific things will people pay you for and how can you contribute to the greater good? In whatever fields you work at, right. you know, do the best job you can and be well paid. Have the kind of career that I have where you have work that you love, that makes a positive impact on people, and you make a lot of money. I want that for all my private clients and all the people I train in the classroom. That's just a fantastic story if and when it works. So how do you take someone like myself? and say, okay, I'm going to help you shift your mindset. So I come into you as a client and I'm now open to these possibilities. But then where do you go? Um, how do you help build and scaffold uh, what a series of gigs might look like? The first question I ask any client is, what do you want to do? And very often they have no idea. I just met with a new client for dinner last week. Um, he's been working in the um, event planning business and he's burned out, physically burned out. So I don't want to do that anymore. Great. So what do you want to do? I have no idea. But we talked about it some more and what he wants to do is mentor people. Not exactly a job description. But I said, um, how about looking at getting a master's in social work? Because as a social worker, you will have credibility and you can mentor people. And he wants to focus on teenagers in a variety of ways. And I can see it in their eyes. It's like, oh, my God, that's a great idea. I now have a, mid a short term, midterm and long term plan. The short term plan is he's moving to another city. Um, and he needs work. He's got some savings, but not enough. So I said, stay working in event planning, do part-time work just to sustain things and pay your bills, okay? Then start investigating the social work field, meeting people, find a school, and go to school at night. And then eventually you won't have to work in uh, event planning anymore. You'll start working in social work and you'll become a social worker and you can now mentor people, do what you want to do without this kind of cost on your body and your physical health. He loved it. That's a great story. So how do you get people to that state um, without uh, the inherent anxiety, without the inherent trepidation that many people feel? You know, you were talking about it's different because we used to be able to say we had a college degree. When you think about the pursuit of our generation toward work and, and education, we bought into those things as insurance policies against the unknown, right? Yep. We, we, we bought into the idea of a four-year degree because that was a guarantee, a certainty of good employment. We didn't know quite where, how, when, but we knew that that was a guarantee. It's no longer that guarantee, which kind of knocks the foundations out, right? So it sounds like what you're doing is building a new foundation for people, built around their passion, but also built around their uh, opportunities to create impact and also bring money to the to the equation as well. I, I created a concept called monetizable passion. Yes. So you have to understand certain rules, so to speak, in the gig economy. 
One of which is you may love doing something, but if no one's going to pay you for it, that's called a hobby. Yes, I have many things I love right. to do. No one is going to pay me for them. You have to understand the difference. So, so a career or a job or a gig is not necessarily something you're in love with. It's something you like or something that pays the bills, at least, yes. Um, and you have to understand the distinction. I also shift their thinking to start First of all, they, they have to learn to self-market, but they have to focus on the audience. Who will pay for what you offer? And you always have to upskill because your customers, your clients are going to need more. Do you know this new program? Do you know this? Do you know, yes, I've learned that. I'm going to school. I got a certificate in that. I got a license in that. Oh, good, because we're looking for that. If you work in the software field, yes, what new programs do you know? What new software? What new apps can you do? Because we need someone who, oh, you can do that? Let me Wait, check that. What can you right. do? So you're, you're constantly hustling. Yes, but the the concept I use, uh, if you imagine a wagon wheel, yes, I call it the multiple income streams approach. Yes, so the 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 core of the wheel, yes, the center of the wheel, that's your brand. So I'm a career trainer. That's my brand. Yes, then you can always change that as things as as you learn more, or as market as the market shifts. So I'm a career trainer, and the spokes coming out are all the different ways I can make money. So I teach, I write, I have private clients, I have my LinkedIn learning courses, I have my books, I get royalties, all these different ways to make money. The old fashioned way, imagine that that uh, wheel with one spoke, and that spoke is the company you work for. And if you lose your job, you're SOL. I have no income. Right. The new way the new way is you're always hustling for work, but you've always got money coming in. So if you lose a client, it's okay. I've got other things going on. And I'm going to hustle and get more clients. So I always have money coming in. I'm never unemployed. And I'm always looking for work and always out there networking with people and letting them know in my field, my target audience, here's what I can do. Here's who I know that you know who can refer me. Oh, they said you were really good. We can use someone. Could you start Monday? Good to go. And it's going to last for three months, six months, whatever. Yes. But you're always looking for the next gig, the next gig, and the next gig. And you're you're never unemployed. Right. It's an interesting it's an interesting reframing of the work paradigm that we all carry with us. You know, I had a conversation and a dinner, and it was about 20 years ago with Tom Peters from In Search of Excellence. And he was talking about the future of work at the at the outset of the of the new millennium. And I asked him, you know, where do you see this all going? And he said, you know, there's only going to be two kinds of, of jobs uh, in the future. It's going to be doing work and those who organize the doing of work. And so in that context, I asked him, well, OK, how do you prosper then? You prosper by getting skills in a particular area and growing them substantially enough that you have the experience to take on projects more to your liking. The more experience you bring, the more expertise you bring, the more you're able to influence the kind of work you get to do. Uh, that sounds very much like what you're talking about here and is a recipe for a lot of people. Now, when let me ask you this, Dr. Chaz. So you're working with you're working with a boomer and they're buying into this whole idea. 
And then all of a sudden they get off Zoom and they look at their computer and suddenly they're talking to people and um, the employer or the uh, the person on the other side of the equation is talking to them about using Slack, using Zoom, using outreach, using uh, Teams, using uh, Google, using, all, you know, and suddenly it's you're you're suddenly you find yourself being more overwhelmed than your than your than your parents were with the VCR control, right? Yeah, because it's on yeah. it's on a scale like we've never seen before. So talk to me about that. How do you help your clients navigate technology to a degree that allows them to participate in the gig economy using some of the tools that are the lingua franca of that particular business? Um, first of all, I tell them stop looking for a job and look for work because employers don't want to hire people full time. They don't want to pay benefits anymore. They certainly don't want to hire you if you're older because you're going to cost more and your medical bills may be higher. Chances are um, you if you're an older worker looking for work, you need to start surrounding yourself with younger people who are hip to technology. I always have younger people around me to show me stuff because I'll struggle for half an hour and in 20 seconds I'll go, no, no, you go, da, 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 da. oh, okay, great. Good. So I, I have to be uh, humble about, you know, I may be an educated guy, but some of this stuff I'm just not going to get. It's the difference between, I have to explain this to people, it's the difference between um, digital natives and digital immigrants. We're digital immigrants. Digital natives are kids you see in airports. And they learn the language at birth. They learn the language of language at birth, right? Yeah. It, it, you know, it was a um, umbilical cord and a phone charger in the womb. That I love your idea of getting young people as part of your network. You know, our, our last guest, Jeffrey Roach, who will be appearing in our podcast series in the weeks ahead, was talking about the importance for him of building a board of advisors. And he has a board that he's that he's responsible to and accountable to. Yep. And those folks are uh, people in his life that offer him a measure of accountability. It sounds like you're talking about pretty much yeah. the same thing. Same thing. I call it uh, your personal board of directors. So I have a young kid who's you know really good with technology and social media. That's who I call on. I have an attorney. I have an accountant. I have someone who's good about real relationship coaching. I've whatever, whatever you need. You have those go-to people and you have to be humble enough to go, yes, ma'am. Thank you. Good idea. I will do that. Yes, that you don't know everything, but you surround yourself with these people who are specialists in things that you are not because you need to focus on your own career. I need to be as good at what I do as possible and farm out the rest to people who Listen, I can find out this legal stuff on Google and, you know, it would only take me a month to get there or I can call somebody. Who can get bang it right away. Things. For those of you who are listening and viewing us, this is Ron Stefanski on Disrupt Ed. And we're talking with Dr. Chaz Austin about the gig economy and unleashing our own talents in a disrupted world of work and learning. Dr. Chaz, it's been great talking with you about this. As we wrap on this episode, I want to do two things. One, I got to have you back, right? Because we just started um, touching on the surface of a lot of issues that you brought up today about changing your mindset, changing the way you look at work fundamentally, changing the way you consider your network of participants and advisors in that whole mix. These are all things that in my mind, 
do the number one thing that disruption uh, causes negatively, and that's reduce anxiety. You feel like you have a plan when you talk with other people. You feel like you're connected when you begin doing work that has meaning. And so I think those are some of the lessons. Let me ask you this. As a teacher, I've never met a teacher, an educator, that doesn't look forward to someone coming back to them and telling them the story about how they influenced you know, what turned out to be an extraordinary career, an extraordinary outcome. I'd like to close this out by hearing from you about someone that came back and returned to you and said, this really made a difference. Um, I had a student named Jeff Long. Um, he had been a video editor for many years, and we know how that feels. Every field's been affected. Video editing, and I was an offline editor years and years ago, um, people can now buy that equipment and and do their own editing at home. So he got older and it's like the work has dried up. I used to get called all the time. Now nothing's happening. What do I do? I said, what else are you doing in your life? He said, well, um, I've started this nonprofit called Teens for Teens Help. Um, it's his daughter had some issues and um, what he started to do was to he set up a website where teens can talk to each other, where they have some kind of uh, uh, issues with drugs, alcohol, eating disorders, whatever. But he found that was a really useful way for people to connect. I said, focus on that. And he did. And he's gotten grants now, and he started hiring staff. Um, and we meet on a regular basis, um, and I've turn them on to people I know in the nonprofit field because it's a 501c um, to boost this. And he's using his video editing skills to shoot little stories. People say, it is. Fantastic. Yeah. Here's what, here's what happened to me. And if I got through it, so can you. Because it's teens to teens. If the right. parent tells you something. They don't well, right. I, but another teen, somebody else my age across the country who says something, somebody in Detroit or something, wow, I, you went through this too? Yeah, I got out the other end. Oh, wow. If you did it, so can I. You, I, you inspire me. So that's been a wonderful example of he he was stuck, took my advice, pushed through it, and um, and he's he's growing. Um, and his he has a T-shirt now. The back of it says, Stories Save Lives. Exactly what you're telling today is uh, you're an amazing storyteller, Dr. Chaz, and you tell a wonderful story that provides a lot of us who are navigating this 5G wire disrupted world. You give us a lot of hope. So with that, I, we're going to wrap for today, but I want to ask you to come back. I want to ask you to do subsequent episodes because so many of our disrupted community are looking for guidance, are looking for help and are looking to build their board of directors to help them navigate this. So appreciate the advice today. You've been listening to Dr. Chaz Austin here on Disrupt Ed. If you want to listen to more, you're going to hear from Dr. Chaz in a few months when we check back in with him. In the meantime, join our community, subscribe to the Disrupt Ed newsletter, join us on our podcast, and listen to more people helping us to understand disruption in a disrupted world. Thank you for joining us. Stay tuned for more.